I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to Lit and Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. Thank you, everybody, for your patience. We've had some delays due to some just life and family (laughs) stuff, so I'm sure you all understand. (laughs) It's just, you know, 2021. It's It's been a year. It just keeps on coming. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like I say that every year, and it's it's been one, but it's all right. We're here. Yeah, we are. We love doing this and happy to continue talking about... um, <clears throat> Daniel Evans' lovely collection, um, and we're talking this episode about her novella because the Office of Historical Corrections is the name of the novella. Um, we already discussed her six short stories, so really excited to talk about this. I loved this novella. I um, did too. Yeah, so good. But before we get into it, some little housekeeping things. So, Sadie, will you remind everybody what our next book is so that they can go pick up a copy and get reading? Yes, absolutely. So our next book is Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury. Um, A lot of people know him from, well, I mean, he's a very famous author, but a lot of people know him from Fahrenheit 451. Um, This is another really fun book that is about a carnival that comes to a town in the Midwest and things happen and it makes Halloween happen a week early and lots of things ensue. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, It's a very good read. And it's, it's, I'm having a lot of fun reading it. This is my first time yeah, reading it, actually. Me too. It's really enjoyable. It's definitely um, really sets a mood and yes. a scene when you're reading it. Like it's, it's, um, it's kind of an uncomplicated read in yeah. that way for me. It's yeah. really nice. So I, I think you, I think everyone will enjoy it. So definitely go pick up a copy. And if you haven't, when you're getting that, also pick up the next book we'll be reading afterwards, bringing us, continuing on with that theme and bringing us through spooky October will be Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Mm-hmm. Um, we're kind of going to go with like horror gothic novels for October. So we're going to hit up Frankenstein after something wicked this way comes. So definitely go pick up a copy. I, I actually love this novel. (laughs) Um, so I'm really excited to talk about it. I haven't read it since college. Um, but really good. So, Oh, okay. So um, while we're here talking about it, actually, this is a controversial heated topic on Frankenstein, but I have, I have very strong feelings about it. Which edition are we reading? I feel very strongly that we should read the 1818 text, but... Yes. Okay, good. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, versus the second edition? Yes. Okay, because that's when her name was on it, was the second edition. Yeah, they but put she, her name. she changed it. She added a moral to it at the end. No, no, no. Yeah, first edition. First edition, for okay. sure. Okay. So yeah. make sure when you pick it up or if you read it, try to get the 1818 version. Yeah, if you can. Um yeah, definitely. Oh, good point. Good point. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, so I'm excited. It'll be good. Um, are you reading or watching anything else? I mean, no. <laughs> I finally, I finally watched a promising young woman. Did you like on it? the plane? CD, I cried. This is only. Uh, this is the second. I've only cried at one other movie, 
And this is the second movie I've ever cried at in my entire life. And I watched it on a plane, people. It was super intense, like really good. I'm obsessed with it. I really, 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 really liked it. I mean, it wasn't like an enjoyable movie, like feel good, but like it was really good, really affecting, like totally cried at multiple parts. Every uh, go watch it. It's so good. Yeah, it's that it's definitely a movie that sticks with you. And I think um, does a really good job of, I think, showing the ways that everyone is kind of an an accomplice in these like in these events and these things, you know, like you don't have to be the person harming someone else to have played a really big role in I love yeah and I loved how she described so just to give you guys a quick synopsis so um oh what is her name the main character Cassie is the name of the main character but what's the actress um Uh, Carrie Mulligan Carrie Mulligan so good in it but basically I don't know I don't want to go into the whole synopsis because I can't make a quick one of it but it involves a sexual assault and and the main character gives this lovely like she talks she's talking to the um, assaulter and she's basically like your name became all she heard your name was all around her mm-hmm. it was all about you it, and and to the point where she disappeared yeah and that I just thought was the most poignant and valid description of what happens to you when you go through something like that yeah. and especially in our culture and it just was so succinctly put and it just hit me but yeah great movie loved it, it yeah it's fantastic I really recommend it for everybody um because, yeah, like like you said, it's not really a, a movie that you walk away saying you, like, had a fun time watching it. But at the same time, yeah. it is a playful movie in certain aspects. Like, it it will make you laugh. It made me laugh. But yeah. because, but I think, like, it makes you laugh because it's all so absurd and also relatable like I think all the characters and their actions and stuff I think that um it's just such a universal experience where everybody has known someone in a similar situation um regardless of which character it is we all know someone like at least one of the characters um and I I just I really liked it Brian and I watched it and he really enjoyed it as well yeah, and it, I really liked it. And it was, it really, like, um, to me, too, it it was such a, it just beat all of my expectations for what I would think a, like, female revenge fantasy movie would be. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's just, it's really, it's really, really worth the watch. And I think it would stick with anybody who watches, watches it. I can't believe it made you cry and it's the only second one. I cry from, like, every other movie I ever watch. King Kong made me yeah. cry. You're a movie crier. I'm not. The only <laughs> other movie I've ever cried at is A Man on Fire with Denzel Washington and little Dakota Fanning oh. or Ella Fanning, one of the Fannings. Yes. And I cried on the scene where they're at the bridge and he leaves her to go sacrifice himself. Yeah. I don't know why. I But that movie, for some reason, that one got me. That's the only other one I've ever cried at. Although I don't watch animal movies because I probably would cry at all of those. So part of me purposely <laughs> keeps myself away. But yeah, that's the only, nothing else is really... Um, but yeah, that one did. It was good. It was awkward though, like tearing up on a plane. Luckily, Kendrick was asleep next to me, so I didn't have to explain myself. But <laughs> that's good. Um, that was good. And I watched. Have you heard of that documentary, Lula Rich? Um, is that the one about the 
MLM schemes. Yes. Yeah. So really interesting. It's on Amazon right now, but it's a four part and it's about that company LuLaRoe, which I'd never heard of, but I don't really buy, I don't really buy leggings like that. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't really in their target audience. And I think you can spot MLMs a mile away. So, Mm -hmm. um, Never really gotten interested, but the documentary is really good. And the couple that started it, so they're they're part of the Mormon church. Mm. So that's the other element to it, too. But it's really good. Good, nice. good documentary. Yeah, so I'll I recommend to, that. I'll have to watch it. I've just been doing a lot of comfort watches lately. Mm. Um, good, yeah. So I've been rewatching Friends. For like, okay, always a good, yeah. It's the, you you got to have that turn your mind off, yeah. just enjoy life yeah. kind of watch. I get it. Yeah. I, I do that with like community, the office, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. It's been nice. It's been helpful. I'm not going to lie. Work's been stressful, good. y'all. Yeah, life's stressful. Poor Sadie. <laughs> you've, you've had it rough too. Um, and then I'm reading a book called The $80 Champion, which Ooh. is, so it's this story, this true story happened in the 50s. This um, guy came from... He's Dutch, and he came over to the U.S. after World War II. He was a horseman. He started teaching at this, like, riding school for um, young girls. Finds this horse at, like, a horse auction, paid 80 bucks for it, which be around, like, three grand today. Um, Saves it from going to, like, the meat market, basically. He was this old plow horse. Turns him into this, like, world champion show jumper wow. he like showed in madison square garden world champion like super famous they called this guy the flying dutchman and the horse's name was snowman that's what the his kids named him but it's just really cool i'm only halfway through it but super super good fun story that is like, really cool yeah it's really cool um so i'm kind of reading that as a little palette cleanser in between different things but that's it i wish i could read more i've got a whole list man they're all stacking up i've oh got i bought this book about about the history of like it's basically like medical issues with women. So like how women have been treated in the medical industry mm-hmm. industry field for years, like as patients. And I'm really excited to read that. I can't mm-hmm. read the title of it now, but that just came. Yeah, I've got a list. I just need to just only just read. Can we just not do anything but read? That's my question. That's what I would really like to know. My shelves have just become absolutely can we just, stacked. And it's can just we just a- become ladies of leisure like, <laughs> and just lay on a, our chaise lounge and next to our window and have someone bring us tea and crumpets and And speaking of that what are you drinking right now Sadie I am having wine tonight so I am having let's see what the it's a Chris Baker 2019 Pinot Noir from Willamette Valley and it is really good I have to say I really like it um Pinot Noir is not usually um my go-to red but Mm -hmm. this one is is actually quite good what are you drinking awesome um, I made kind of like a little watermelon margarita, just some tequila and watermelon juice. Um, I, I don't know if I can even call that a margarita, but it's really good. That you're so into watermelon. I'm so into watermelon, you guys. You have no idea. I love watermelon. We've like, talked about this anything, probably 10 yeah. times on this podcast. I have a lot of watermelon drinks, but I really enjoy watermelon. It's such a like Audra trademark to me at this point is watermelon. I love it. It's a good yeah. trademark. That's a good thing to have associated with you. Yeah, yeah, I'm digging it. Um, okay, well, is there anything else that we need to address before we get into this awesome novella? I don't think so. I don't think so. Let's get started. So. All right, well, I love this. I, Me too. I, I thought it was so good. So if any of you were silly enough to not read it, um, kind of the gist, uh, 
the main character is Cassie and she's this, she works in, it's not real, but totally plausible (laughs) uh, branch of the government, um, the Institute for Public History and her job and everyone who works there, the job is to basically make clarifications by leaving notes or just providing clarification around the country about everything, anything that's inaccurate when it comes to, you know, plaques on statues to souvenirs like there's that one where she goes into the bakery and corrects what they've said about Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and so she that's what she does for work. And it talks kind of about a little bit about her personal life. And then um, she has a friend who used to work there and doesn't anymore. And they both kind of meet up in. Is it Ohio that they go to? Something like that. I can't yeah. remember, somewhere in the Midwest. Midwest. And yeah, they're there to correct um this statue, this plaque. So what had happened is this black man had, had been able to make money and he opened up a, what kind of store was it? It wasn't a tannery, but he opened up a business and then the people in the town basically chased him out. They thought that they killed him in a fire. They bragged about it, took a picture of how they killed him and ruined his business. And then you learn that he isn't actually dead or that's what they think. So she goes there to investigate to see if she needs to make this correction. And, um, meets up with her friend that used to work in the office with her and doesn't anymore. She's now a reporter, I think, or a journalist. Yeah. Um, who's kind of reporting on the story and, and it's just about them and their different views and them connecting and then finding out what really happened to this man, which is in and of itself a good story. And then, (laughs) and then a very tragic ending. Um, yeah, it's, it was a very, also very affecting, really, really good. What did you think? I really loved it. Um, I think the ending, I don't know. I don't know how to say it. it. It comes as a, as a shock, but I think it's only a shock to someone like me. <laughs> like, I guess like, yeah. like yeah. I think like the, how could that have happened? Kind of shock of the ending, um, where Jeannie is killed, killed by yeah. a white nationalist. On yeah, on tape, um, basically like live streamed almost. Um, it's a shocking ending, but it's also an ending that I think shows. I think the the people that um, the harm that is done when people don't know their histories, and also the types of people groups of people in our nation who often are the ones who suffer the most when either either from the ignorance or from um, sometimes the anger that people have when they try to reconcile with it. And I thought it, it was really affecting and it, it was a really um, touching and emotional story. Um, my friend, our friend of the pod, um, her name is Megan. She actually messaged me on Instagram after she had finished the novella and she read it, she finished it at like 2 a.m. and it had her sobbing. And I think that that it's like she wasn't ready for it, but she was expecting this ending. And um, yeah. and that's how I felt as well. I felt like um, like it, I don't know. I mean, it's shocking, but at the same time, retrospectively, it's like, ugh, well, of course, you know, yeah. it's what it's been you know what, I, building up to. Yeah, and it's so sad. I mean, all of her stories, I really think, had a lot to do with grief and different forms of grief. Mm -hmm. And then the more I thought about it, like when we were getting to record tonight, I was thinking about 
if I was letting that idea of, of the grief and how sad it was, you know, and especially it's really tinged with sadness for me since like, I mean, the guy in it that ends up killing um, her friend and who um, he calls himself White Justice mm-hmm. um, has this name. And it really took on another level after, you know, everything that happened on January 6th and yeah. like everything that's been going on and all of our, you know, the fake news and this and that. And so but I try to see other stuff to it. And I think the story and it's in the rest of the stories in her collection. But this novella, I think, really sh- also shined a light on uh, like love and like specifically Mm. like black love and friendship like you know her and Jeannie are it it points out a lot of their different trajectories and their different outlooks on things and kind of this push and pull that they had as friends growing up and then as adults and even now but in the end like they really that was like the tying point of all of it and there's that's in so many of the stories whether it's you know, but f- just the, the, these lasting friendships and how important they are and how unconditional they are in a way. And they yeah. have to be to survive this kind of grief. And um, and I think it's nice that that's really what's underlying all of it, because otherwise it, it's just so overwhelming. And that must I mean, that's got to be how it is in, in life. Like, it's so overwhelming to have this kind of to have to live in this kind of world mm-hmm. with people like white justice running around and having to like correct people at their complete historical inaccuracies and have them instead of being like, Oh, thank you for educating me. I'm now going to be correct about this to be, you know, to take offense to it and to hide from it. Like that's just gotta be so frustrating to just live in a world where things are just completely historically inaccurate. And as a result, how you're treated, you know, it's like, if I don't know, I don't know how to say it otherwise, but that's just gotta be such a, awful way to live and so yeah what really ties it in is this idea of like friendship and love and community that can't be um broken apart by that yeah I mean hmm. I I completely agree with you um I felt like also there's a lot of feelings about like inadequacy or or like I guess I guess really with like the stories um, related to so many of the black women in these stories and in the novella, there's a feeling of inadequacy of like never being enough. Um, Jeannie says Mm -hmm. in this novella something interesting about how her daughter is incredible, like so smart, so talented, just absolutely is a star. But she says it's not enough, though, you know, because because of how much harder she'll have to fight or how the fact that half the nation isn't going to value her in the same Mm -hmm. way. And it it's yes. Like there is, I think like this big connecting part of um, like unconditional love and community in the book. But I think there's also kind of like this kind of crushing realization though, too, that like, we're so we have so far to go to, you know? Oh yeah. It's yeah. It definitely. It's not like trying to show solutions really at all, but I, it's an interesting balance of, I think like cynicism and hope at the same time. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And, and just the, uh, exactly what you're saying, like that it can seem hopeless. I mean, like I mentioned earlier where she corrects 
this uh, bakery about Juneteenth. You know, they've got it incorrectly explaining Juneteenth as a celebration, I think, of the Emancipation Proclamation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she she's there not to correct them. She's there to get a cake for her boyfriend, sees this and goes to correct it. And like they have these like little things that they carry with them where they can print out the little stickers mm-hmm. um, to make the correction. Um, and 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 like it does nothing. Right. They're not happy that she made this correction. They almost seem resentful of it. And then when she talks about it with her boyfriend, he's just like doesn't even understand why she does the work that she does. And, um, you know, and he's a black man, but he's like, why? Like, why are you bothering and wasting your time? Like, so it's just there is a lot of this like it doesn't matter. It's never enough. And then the ending, I think, really it's hard not to feel that way with the ending. You know, like they Mm -hmm. reconnect. They find they find the truth. They find that. You know, and it's a very interesting backstory with like the man that died and his sister and her passing as white and her being a part of that, but also protect in a way protecting him by letting them all think he died. And again, mm-hmm. kind of too complicated again, too. So go read the book. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. um, it's it, it is hard not to feel this like it, it doesn't matter. They come together, they figure out the truth. But then in the end, you know, Genevieve dies mm-hmm. because of this dumb asshole that calls himself white justice it's just like yeah yeah it's well it's just you know I, I mean there are a lot of levels to it like I think one level too is just I was actually kind of touched um by some of the conversations around like public service and and public works mm-hmm. and um, people who dedicate their lives to public service because I think a lot of people do like look at bureaucratic work and like government employees in a pretty negative way. But I really loved, um, her conversation about it where she, you know, she says, I stay and that's how the work gets done. It's because it's not about who's in charge at any given time, because obviously when you're working in government work, that can change and it should change. And, um, administrations do need to change, but it's the people who are just committed to the work throughout that, you know, that's, that's a, that's a level of like dedication that's important. And she is dedicated, I think, but it's also what's the point in certain circumstances, right? Because it's like on the outside, especially like where we're, we're living in such a time of like misinformation. Um, this seems like a really great idea. Like this is, this should be done or something. But then yeah. even when you do, it's like people are so, you know, concerned about the truth, but then they are so sensitive to it as well that it's just, it's just frustrating that even, even when, you know, you get a government body sometimes with the best of intentions, um, they're still dealing with the public and that's th- the public's difficult to deal with sometimes. Yeah, it's hard. And I think sometimes it's hard to not look at um, people in whether it's political roles or government roles as as actions as being performative, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that it's and then it's hard because it's like, well, maybe it is performative, but is that still serving a purpose? Like it's just 
it's you can't nail anything down right? right and I think the story does a really good job of that I mean even like when I was talking about with them being friends like they're kind of only friends because they're the only two black girls in their white circle yeah. like throughout various points of their life it's almost like their otherness is what brings them together not what they actually have in common outside of their black girls right. and so I think it's you know and, and then that brings up a point does that make their friendship any less real or valid or important no but it, so it's kind of it brings up I think the intentions of why you do things you know and even just with them both going they both go to the same place to deal with the same issue with this did this man really die and what was the real story and they have different reasons for it you know the main character Cassie is going because it's her job to find out the truth and then make these corrections regardless of which way it goes and Genevieve's there to like report on the story she needs this like this is her work now and she needs a good story well and she was the one who started the initial inquiry because she also worked at the the right institution or the office of historical corrections but she was like too too intense about it that they like fired her (laughs) right and it's at that point it's also like what yeah. What What's your intention behind it? And what even is the intention of the Office of Historical Corrections? You know, it just brings up this like mm-hmm. they want to correct, but only in this tone. Like there's just there's so much nuance to everything that's going on in the story. And I think it brings up that of, of how we're living that now. And that can be really, really frustrating. Right. Um, I mean, it, it seems is like there's just no right answer. It is really frustrating. But at the same time, um, like. I think one of the most frustrating things about it is that unfortunately uh, people are so sensitive to the truth that like the way that you in this story, I think the way that it is told or presented is important uh, as far as like protecting yourself. Right. Like it's it's unfortunate, but unfortunate. I think it is the truth that like the way you present corrections will absolutely influence like how open people are to hearing it out, you know, and it's with Genevieve, um, she goes a very different direction, uh, than Cassie, but, and it's hard to say which one was right or the other, but I I will say that I think, there's a clear uh, level of danger to being so Mm -hmm. outspoken about it. Um, And, you know, not aggressive. I don't want to say like aggressive about it, but she's aggressive to the point that she, you know, she goes to see him in person to present this information and kind of like deals with it in a lot of, in a, in a more upfront forward way. And, there's a there is a level of danger to that that um, I think that this book does a good this novella does a good job of of showing of just kind of the risks of speaking out and um, telling the whole truth sometimes is is a dangerous game to play. Well, and it's dangerous because I think societally we're not okay with being wrong. We're not okay with saying we made well and individually too like i think that it's i mean i think that's a human thing um but yeah i don't like to be wrong yeah but like the problem is is we're dealing with institutions so it's important that we yeah overcorrect even 
um, a little bit because I, I don't know. I, I, I saw an interesting, um, quote or interview with, a oh gosh, is it Bo Burnham? He just did like the inside special on Netflix. It's really good. Um, but he talks about how he would much rather deal with like the clunky overcorrection of like college students who are still figuring things out, um, versus mm-hmm. like racism and bigotry. You know, like when you're given the choice of like clunky overcorrection versus bigotry, right. obviously go for the clunky overcorrection because that's still in the right direction. And I think that yeah. that's kind of what you have to do when you're dealing with something so systemic, even though it is a human reaction to um, be defensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I just think, I think the novella was just, it, it, I love how nuanced Cassie and Genevieve were. I love that they, I feel like even in this short space, she really fleshed out these characters and, mm-hmm. um, really gave you great ways to connect with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and while it's a fictional place that she works, it's a fictional situation it it's all just seems so real like nothing yes it, it was just all believable. I'm like why isn't this an office like I'm surprised there's not this form of government I mean you know like it's just interesting she does a really good job we talked about that last time with her stories and it's that's I love that about short stories we said that over and over last time just about how it enables you to really pack a punch um mm-hmm. in this short amount of space and I just I think this was a this was great. I want to read her other collection. Um, it was her first one. I'm trying to remember what it was called. Um, but I think she's great. A great writer. Love it. Yeah, I agree. I would I would even be interested just in um, rereading this one again after having finished it now mm-hmm. to see the way that I think she... The, the ways now that I have finished it um, connects these stories to together and, and not explicit ways, but with their themes. And, and also I just, especially this novella, I just think that there are just so many layers to these characters and like Cassie's own kind of questioning and anxiety about what kind of black woman she is and how people perceive her. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, this part where they're talking about the, the black woman who decides to pass that is kind of, a catalyst for this whole event that they are uh, investigating and yeah somebody on the oh I think it's it's either her boyfriend or her friend that's there with her um but they say you know the type yes and that sentence just kind of like follows her through the rest of the novella of, of like I know the type like am I the type you know am I the person who is similar in that way and versus Genevieve, who's not that way in any way. It's just Mm -hmm. this, like this interesting anxiety of like, where do I fit in and where do I play into this thing and this system? Um, even as a black woman that's, you know, not benefiting from it at all. Yeah, no. And, and having the, and the idea that other people tell you, you know, what you are and what your type is Mm -hmm. and, and to, you know, just the same with when they're talking about Cassie and Genevieve's friendship when they're young and how they 
come together as friends because of their otherness. And it's almost like they're assumed that they need to be friends. They're supposed to be friends. They're told how they're supposed to be as people, as black women, as friends, like just, yeah, it's, and then, and none of those things are really true. And then here they are as adult women actually stating facts and correcting untruths. Mm -hmm. And that's what creates problems for them. You know, Mm -hmm. they're trying to bring the truth to light and, no one wants to hear it and how they both handle it differently and the people in their lives handle it differently and kind of their motivations for doing it. Like we've already talked about a little bit. Um, yeah, there's just, there's so, there's so much nuance to all of it. I, I just think it, it was a really great affecting, um, novella. Yeah. Definitely one to read again. I I really enjoyed it. I did too. Even though it was sad. (laughs) It was, it definitely was. Um, I, th- I find it actually kind of funny um, when books look different than they feel. <laughs> like, you know, when you think yeah. about like book covers and stuff, because I feel like this one, um, I don't know, the the hardcover is full of bright colors. And like when you take the uh, slip off, it's, you know, this like bright pink and red. And I don't know, like, it's just so funny to me that this book looks so different than how my experience was reading it. Not that the experience was like super dark and like gloomy and depressing. Um, cause I wasn't depressed after reading the book, but I was very affected by it. Yeah. Versus yeah, what no, I for think sure. is a fairly cheerful cover. <laughs> it is. It's a bright, it is bright. It's funny. We, we haven't really talked about that before, but like, you know, the, uh, book covers and how that connects. Cause I mean, I enjoy aesthetics. Aesthetics yeah, are important, important to me. And, um, I know that a lot of thought goes into, um, at least by the publishing house, what does the cover look like? And there's different versions of it. And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's a good point, but it is, it's, I don't, I don't know. But like I said earlier, I feel like there's this underlying theme though, even though I think all the stories are connected by the idea of grief. I think they're also all connected by the idea of, black love and deep friendship and yeah the powerfulness and everlastingness of that and um and self-love you know so I think that that's in there too um and you know I think depending on what's going on and when you're reading it you pick out those different pieces and um I definitely think parts of this collection reading it now I mean obviously let's pretend it was published 10 years ago Mm -hmm. um it would hit differently now um, based on where I'm at in my life and what's been going on in the world that is now more prevalent in my life versus before and things you pay attention to that you Mm -hmm. didn't used to. And so it, it, yeah, it's definitely a good one. If you guys have not read it, please do. I think this is definitely of all the books we're doing. This is probably one of the more important ones that we've done in my opinion. I agree. I agree. Um, Definitely. I think, more I think concrete things to think about um in your day-to-day life and and uh how you go about the world and the way that you think about things and um how you how you kind of like take in and process information as well which I think was a a big part of the book is how we process different things that we're kind of given and we see it's I, I really loved it yeah 
Me too. Well, so definitely go pick up a copy if you guys haven't already yep. and get a copy of Something This Way, Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury, which apparently there's also a movie was made. Disney made a movie of that. Did you know? Yes. Um, I didn't know that. Yes. It's actually really funny. I did a little bit of research on the book. The copy that I have is great. It has a bunch of like additional items in it with the history of it. Um, but apparently originally it was written as a screenplay for Ray Bradbury's like favorite actor and director, Gene Kelly. And which is hilarious because I could not picture Gene Kelly having anything to do with this. Yeah. I would not have gone there. The book is actually dedicated to him. Um, apparently Ray Bradbury was a big fan and had gotten to know him if you haven't, if you're not sure who Gene Kelly is, um, Singing in the Rain. That's the movie that he's most famous for, I think. But um, anyway, apparently he wrote the screenplay for Gene Kelly, and Gene Kelly took it to London to try to get financing for it, but nobody would pick it up. And so he sent it back and was really apologetic because he really loved it. And because he sent it back and because it technically... Um, did not get picked up, he decided to turn it into a book. And then he gave the very first copy to Gene Kelly. I think wow, that's fascinating. a very kind of cute story, actually. Yes. Fascinating. I love it. Well, I'm really liking it so far. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, me too. Um, and then after that, we're going to be doing Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. 1818 version. First version. Try your best. Don't pick up the one with the. <laughs> don't pick up the one with the moral in the story. Nobody needs that. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention about the Office of Historical Corrections, either the novella or the collection itself? No, I think we've covered it. Yeah. So really enjoyed this one. Looking forward to our new, totally different direction. Yes. Uh, with something wicked this way comes. So get ready for a spooky start to October. Yep. It's very um, vibey. You'll like it. Very atmospheric yes. book. Yes. I like. I know. I need to think of some good cocktails for all of our horror books. Mm-hmm. Like, get, I mean, no one will see it but you, but maybe get some like dry <laughs> ice or something. Oh like, my Like really gosh. go all out. Like that would be really Kendrick fun. always brings dry ice for the kids. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks everybody. And thanks for your patience while we had to take a little break to deal with different things, you know, just life. So yes. we appreciate you all sticking around. If you have any suggestions, for books or any comments anything like that please message us um on instagram we would love to hear from you um and other than that we'll talk to you next time bye everybody bye